Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Monday, January 24th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, uh, the Guardians have uh, a, a, a small announcement. Uh, it's, it's nothing insignificant. It's, it's actually what they're going to be wearing on top of their heads uh, when they do actually start playing baseball games here uh, sometime in 2022. The new Guardians uh, baseball caps have debuted uh, on, on social media, in the team shop, uh, the team is is selling them now. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to look at them. Uh, they actually look pretty sharp. They they are very similar to the ones that they wore last year with the block C. It's just the difference is now that uh, the diamond C the, with that goes with the the Guardians sort of lettering and logos uh, is now there. It's outlined in white uh, on both the all blue and the blue cap with the red bill. Uh, I think it looks pretty good, uh, and I uh, can't wait to see them out on the field wearing them. Yeah, now all they have to do is find a couple outfielders to wear those uh, uh, wear <laughs> those hats in the outfield, Joe, and uh, they, they'll be in much better shape than they are right now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny. You, you, you sort of you throw the uniforms out there. You get all the designs and the the uh, the the buzz going in the in the team shop and online and among the fans. Uh, but but really, they don't know who they're going to be rooting for in, in some of those positions yet. So uh, it, it's it's a time right now where moves can't be made, and you're sort of anticipating uh, what moves they should make, who they could go after, and and what what surprises lay ahead uh, from Chris Antonetti and, and Mike Chernoff. Uh, we just uh, the only thing that's certain is we know that they have to do something. Yeah, they've got to do something. What? <laughs> When they'll do it is the big question. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, the, the uh, players are supposed to make a proposal today, Monday, uh, as a counter proposal to uh, the owner's uh, proposal uh, last week. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, hopefully they can move the ball forward. And I don't think any, I don't expect any earth shaking developments come out of today, today's meeting, but. Uh, at least they're talking, and this time they're talking face to face, Joe. Right. Yeah, and and that's that's the big important thing is they're sitting across the table from each other. Uh, it's not going to be on Zoom, and maybe if you if you lock them in the room for long enough together, something gets worked out. Are they going to scratch the surface on any of these substantive sort of big important issues? The the service time, 
the 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 you know reaching arbitration earlier the the pay scale for uh, the younger players these are the the big issues that the the players want to get addressed uh, and it, it just does it seems like both sides are sort of dancing around them yeah I think uh, you know eventually they're going to have to talk you know service time you know that's reducing free agency or you know cutting out the super two class or moving, uh, you know, making all players with two years of service time eligible for arbitration, which it used to be. And that didn't, it was in, in 1987, it went from two years to three years. So, you know, that's a negotiable, you know, item to me, arbitration, they've, they've negotiated, you know, about that two or three different times, you know, the, the super two class was, was created there. And that, that super two class went from 17% the 22% in, in negotiations. So it, I would think there was, there'd be some ground for them to be able to talk about that. I, I don't see them. I don't see the owners budging on free agency, reducing that f- from uh, six to five years. Right. Yeah. So maybe the wiggle room isn't at when you can become a free agent. Maybe it's when you're more eligible for uh, um, that, that arbitration. And again, when you, when you try to adjust it by anything subjective, like, well, if uh, a young player has won a Cy Young in his first two years, or he's, you know, an MVP finalist in two of his first three years or, or something like that. Uh, it, it, you just, when you leave it to metrics, like, you know, if he's got a, you know, a three war in his first year, it, I, I don't know if that's, uh, that's something that works for either side, really, because both ways it can be manipulated. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see that. I, I don't see them putting the basic agreement in the hands of the BBWA, you know, and voting for uh, the Cy Young and MVP and manager. You know, I, I, I just don't see that. I, I, there's got to be a, a better analytical way to do that if they're going to, if that's the way they're going. We, we've got enough pressure on us in, in these voting and, uh, and everything. You can't, can't put that more on the, on the, on the beat writers. That's crazy. Uh, speaking of voting and the beat writers, uh, tomorrow, a big day for uh, a lot of guys who are, are appearing on the BBWAA Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, right now, the way things are trending, according to uh, the small percentage of ballots that have been released in our public, uh, it looks like if anybody's going to get in, it might be David Ortiz as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I sure hope someone gets in, Joe. Uh, last year, no one, no one made the uh, cut, uh, and this year, you know, it's you've you've got you know that that whole steroid class in their tenth and final year of uh, arbitration with uh, Barry Bonds and and Roger Clemens kind of you know at the forefront, uh, you know. So and then you've got Kurt Schilling, who uh, you know asked the BBWA not to vote for him last year. And, you know, he was at 71.1% last year, Joe. I mean, you, you roll out of bed, you get inducted, you know, when you're that close. And I, I you know, it's hard for me to imagine that he wouldn't be inducted this year. But when you ask, you know, when you ask, sometimes you Your get wish the response granted. you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's an easy, that's an easy wish to grant for, uh, for, for Schilling, for the, the writers, because I'm sure that they can find you know, out of the 10 guys that they can, you know, boxes they can check, I'm sure they can find one more guy who's, who's deserving if they wanted to. 
what's your what's what is your thought on uh, voters filling out blank ballots and and just returning those? Uh, would you ever turn in a blank ballot? Is that something you no, would do? I, I've never turned in a blank ballot. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this. I, I lost my ballot one year, but but I did not. I did not. I've never turned in a blank ballot. I try to vote for, you know, 10 guys every year um, and a blank ballot. You know, I'm not. A, I think it what it, it kind of what does it do percentage wise? It, it, it hurts. It's, it hurts. It, it, it hurts. Field, right. Right. It hurts the entire field, but really it hurts the guys who are uh, just hanging on or staying up. You know, the, those like Kenny Lofton would have been hurt by a blank ballot. You know, those guys who didn't get the 5% uh, to, to remain eligible, that's who it hurts the most. The, the other guys, they're going to be if, – if you're Kurt Schilling, you're going to get a, cert, a certain percentage. Uh, it's yeah. not really going to move the needle, you know, one blank ballot. Now, if an entire voting block, if a, a huge percentage of uh, those, those voters didn't return or return blank ballots, then that would be a different story. But it's such a, a small group of, of voters who, who think that way or do anything. Uh, it, it really isn't enough to, to sort of move the needle. It's more of a statement. And it's sort of a, you know, it's like a political thing, I guess, uh, to, to say, well, you know, uh, the the eligible uh, candidates are, are just, you know, not at that level yet. I don't, we don't I don't think. And I don't know. I, I can see voting for fewer than 10 if you don't think that among yeah. the the group is uh, are, are 10 uh, worthy candidates. I could definitely see that, you know, voting five, six, seven guys. Uh, but you know, do, do your homework, do your duty and, you know, you know, do it right. Fill out a ballot. Uh, I, I can also, you know, I've, I've publicly voiced my objection to filling it out with, you know, one candidate at a time. I think that's, that's also the wrong way to go as well. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're going to, you know, protest by filing, you know, sending in a blank ballot, why not, why vote at all? You know, right. I mean, you know, that, that way, you know, I, I think that's, I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. And, you know, I think there's such a thing, Joe, as strategic voting. I mean, if you want to see maybe a guy that you've liked, that, you, you know, you, that you've studied and you like and say, maybe he's a borderline guy, well, you could vote for him. And maybe that gives you him, if he gets 5%, that gives him another year to be on the ballot, another year for the writers, you know, to look at his case. Right. Yeah. Uh, voting for all guys that you, you would like to, to see, be able to stay on the ballot, I think is, is, is something it, instead of a guy, you know, like if you know that uh, a Kurt Schilling or a David Ortiz is going to get the necessary votes and you don't, he doesn't need your help in that category or in that way, you know, voting for a, a Billy Wagner would, you know, uh, boost him in, instead of having to give a vote to a guy who, you know, is already going to, uh, qualify at a certain level. So, uh, yeah, there's, it, it really should be, it, it shouldn't be this much, you know, of a circus to try and, you know, it, it should be, I watched the guy play for 10 years. He was a hall of famer or he wasn't a hall of famer. Here's my vote. That's how yeah. simple it should be, but it's always more complex. There's always more layers to it. And, you know, don't even get into, don't even get started on the guys who should be you know, Mariano Rivera was the the only what unanimous uh, yeah, yeah. electee. Uh, you know, the the one guy who didn't vote for uh, Ken Griffey Jr. or the the one guy who didn't vote for Derek Jeter. 
you know, that's, that to me is, is more egregious than not filling out a ballot. Yeah. There's still some, they're still looking for the guy that left Jeter off his ballot. <laughs> I, uh, I, don't the Yankees know, I don't know if that ever name has ever him. popped up or not. <laughs> he will be, well, he's, he's living, he's, he's, he resides with Jimmy Hoffa right now, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, under a bridge in New York somewhere. Uh, okay. So that announcement is tomorrow and hopefully uh, Wednesday we'll get a chance to, to talk about who is and who is not uh, the newest member of the, uh, the baseball hall of fame. Uh, in the meantime, we will uh, fill out this edition of the Cleveland baseball talk podcast uh, by wrapping up our look at the uh, divisions and uh, uh, in major league baseball and uh, you know, what they did prior to the lockout and uh, after what they expect to do afterwards. Uh, we've landed on the National League West, our final uh, division. Uh, this is a division that uh, I, I believe, yeah, the Guardians play NL West teams this year. So uh, it's worth looking at, you know, some of the moves that they've made and who, who, who will be, you know, opposing them this season. Uh, let's start with the Diamondbacks. Uh, probably one of their biggest moves uh, prior to, the lockout, uh, they signed a veteran closer, Mark Mellencon, uh, two years, $14 million. Uh, so they, they shore up their bullpen, but this is a team that needs help uh, in a lot of ways. And in one of those ways it might, uh, might be going into or perpetuating sort of a rebuild is uh, a, a guy like a Cattell Marte might be on the trading block. Yeah, definitely. He's coming off a, a really good season, Joe. And I, I'm not sure if is he a center fielder or a second baseman. I always yes. remember as an infielder with Seattle, right? And then he, he went over the to answer Arizona. To that, the answer to that question is yes. He he's played center field. He's played second base. Uh, I think they like him, or they've tried to use him more in the outfield. But uh, he he could definitely solve two different problems uh, for the Guardians if they're able to work out a trade for him, uh, and and you know might be a, a player that they have their eyes on. Yeah, definitely. You know, hit what three eighteen last year, fourteen home runs, uh, you know, fifty RBIs. Uh, you know, just a, a solid player. Uh, and we, he was playing on a team, Joe, that lost one hundred and ten games last year. Right. Well, <laughs> the Diamondbacks went fourteen and twelve in April, and then went thirty eight and one hundred and eight the rest of the way. That was well, a tough year. And, you know, if the alternative for him is playing at Progressive Field, his uh, his most recent memory of Progressive Field might not be all that great. He was one of the uh, the three batters in the National League uh, at the All-Star game in 2019 that Shane Bieber uh, struck out in, on his way to earning uh, MVP honors that day. So, you know, he might not have the fondest memories of Progressive Field, but uh, if, if the Guardians are able to work out a, a deal for him, that – that could solve a lot of a lot of their issues that they have. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on on the uh, Diamondbacks, especially after the um, lockout ends. Uh, as far as the Dodgers go, you look at the Dodgers. Uh, this is a team that's always up there in payroll, always up there making huge moves. They're coming off a you know a last off season where they they made some of the biggest moves. In, in all of baseball, including signing Trevor Bauer. And that's a whole mess that they'll still have to be dealing with uh, next year uh, or this year, I'm sorry. 
Uh, they, they re-signed Chris Taylor, and that was huge because they lost Corey Seager. Uh, as, as far as what they need to do after um, the, the break, they, they really do uh, actually sort of need to shore up their starting line or their starting rotation. Yeah, you know, they also added Andrew Haney uh, you know, from the Angels one, one year at $8.5 million. Uh, and that, that rotation is really, really interesting, Joe, because, you know, Clayton Kershaw, their three-time Cy Young winner, is a, uh, is, a, is a free agent. They're not really sure if they're going to bring him back. You know, I would think he'd be back or he probably would retire or maybe, maybe sign with Texas if, if, you know, go home to Texas. Kershaw's going to sign. Kershaw's going to sign with the Giants and then stick it to the Dodgers every time, right? Is that, <laughs> yes. So you, you know that rotation: Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, uh, you know Tony Goslin. But they lost. What they lose Scherzer, they lose Bauer. Maybe they lose a uh, uh, you know Kershaw. So yeah, you're right. They they could as deep as that that club is, and as deep as uh, you know their prospects are, and you know the over $200 million payroll, they could use some help and they may need some help in a yeah, rotation. Probably one of their biggest blows was losing a, a young starter in Dustin May. It was a guy, that was a guy that uh, the, that Cleveland had, had sort of coveted in trade talks. Uh, but he, he went down with an injury. He won't be back until, you know, after the all-star break, maybe, uh, maybe that early. Uh, so yeah, again, they're <laughs> for all the money that they've sunk into their rotation, and, and these big-name players, uh, they, they, they don't have a lot to show for it right now. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, uh, the Dodgers can always go out and, and spend money on, on big names and big bats if they need to. Uh, what do you think the chances are that they get either of those guys? Well, you know, I, you know they've got, they've got uh, Trey Turner to, to play shortstop. So, you know, they can just slide him over to take Seager's spot. You know, as second base, I, I'm not sure if, if that's the way it works. You know, they got they have Gavin Gavin uh, Lux. They could play him there. Maybe they could play uh, you know Turner at second. I mean, uh, uh, Chris Taylor at second. So uh, you know, maybe that's that's a possibility. But yeah, they they certainly have the wherewithal to go get out, to go get Correa or you know Trevor Story if, if they need a shortstop. The thing that I'm interested in, Joe, is. Is uh, what? How much does David Price have left? He's thirty-five. <laughs> Could he join that rotation? I mean, you know, he kind of, you know, is dis, you know, he was kind of disappeared off the chart. What he he took the year off, right? Two thousand twenty, right? With COVID, yeah, he, and and he, you know, he, he was five and two this past season. So you know, he was he was a great pitcher in the American League. Now you you just don't want to see it be a, a situation sort of like what uh, what happened with Albert Pujols. Where you know he's you you know the guy is past his prime. You know he's he's just sort of they're just sort of wheeling him out there. If David Price is effective, he could he could definitely help them. But yeah, you don't want to see him pitching beyond when he when he should be. I guess is is uh, the way to put it. Uh, let's let's look at the we talk about the Dodgers. We have to talk about the Giants. They're their their biggest rivals, and really no team did more sort of with less last year. Or did did more sort of unexpectedly than, than the Dodgers. Uh, Gabe Kapler had them playing uh, really well last year. And, you know, they haven't really made any big moves. They had a huge loss uh, in, in Buster Posey, who retired, and they need to replace his bat and his leadership, really. Uh, but 
you know, is, is Chris Bryant, uh, a, a guy that they could resign at, at third base? Uh, what's, uh, what are their options there? Yeah. You know, that, that is really an interesting question. Um, you know, in the rotation, they lost Gaussman, you know, he went to Toronto, uh, five years and 110 million Quintana left and went to Pittsburgh. Uh, they did, they did resign Alex Wood. They brought Alex Cobb over from the angels, Anthony, uh, D. Sclafini <laughs> resigned, resigned with the Dodgers. So, you know, I mean, with, with, uh, the giants. So, you know, that, I mean, that should be help the rotation, but yeah, I mean, uh, they, they have, they, they were an old ball club, Joe, and they were mm-hmm. really kind of a veteran club. No one saw that coming and they would go out and win 107 games. I was looking at this one stat. They said of the, of the, of the Giants, 30 play, uh, 30, 30 and older players last year, the guys that were 30 or over, they produced a 22.2 war, the wow. highest in baseball. So, you know, and if you go by the regression of, you know, older players, can they repeat that again? Yeah, that's, that, that's the thing is you could almost bank on the fact that they won't be as good as they, they were. It's just impossible to sustain that, especially at that age, I think, uh, you, uh, unless you make some moves that, that sort of complement things, but, but really their, their story was that chemistry, you know, carries the day it, it, it in baseball that, that you can, you can win a lot of games just by having, you know, a good team chemistry. And that's what they have. Uh, Definitely. And now we look at, speaking of chemistry, you look at the Padres, uh, that was a team that did not have great chemistry. Uh, and it cost Jace Tingler his job at the, the end of the season because uh, for as much as they spent on all of these big names and, and all of these uh, big moves, uh, the, the Padres did not make the postseason, and uh, they were in the market for a, um, a new manager. And really the sort of the biggest move of their uh, you know, offseason before the lockout was signing Bob Melvin away from, uh, away from Oakland. Uh, Melvin – now comes to, uh, you know, San Diego, where he's going to have unlimited resources as opposed to, you know, the, the shoestring budget that he had in Oakland. Yeah, he's going to be, I think that's what they need, a, a, a veteran manager there, Joe. It's kind of like the same situation as Buck Showalter going in, in mm-hmm. with the Mets. You know, you've got a talented roster, a roster that kind of may have gotten away from a younger manager last year. Um, so I, you know, I think Melvin's been around long enough. He has enough street cred that he should be able to, uh, a control the clubhouse and get the most out of a really still a, a really talented team. This is a club that, that could probably use, uh, uh, a corner outfielder right now. Uh, they, they might be in, um, you know, competition with, uh, the guardians for some of those, corner outfield names if they're if they're looking to sign anybody on the free agent market uh they would san diego would probably uh you know probably get first crack at those guys if uh, the universal dh comes into play you know a guy like a nelson cruz might be an option there uh other names you got to think uh would look good in san diego nick castellanos kyle schwarber michael conforto uh jorge soler uh really Really, don't the Padres have to be kicking themselves for trading away um, a, a guy like uh, Framil Reyes 
who, you know, was their guy and, you know, they included him in the, the, the Trevor Bauer trade um, with Cleveland and Cincinnati. And all of a sudden he's, you know, a, a solid, you know, DH exactly what they need uh, in their lineup. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. And, and, you know, they've got some, uh, they've got some health questions in the rotation too. you Darvish, Blake Snell, you know, um, uh, um, Mike Clevenger. Yeah, Mike Clevenger and uh, Lynette, uh, Lamette, you know, last year, they were all kind of banged up. Clevenger supposedly is going to, you know, be back after missing all the last season. Um, Did you see Clevenger they, you know, got engaged? Oh, no. I, I thought gotta, he was, yeah, I, saw, I saw it on social media. He's, he's engaged. So that, that should be interesting. Uh, go, go on. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> They, you know, they, they could use a closer too. They, you know, Melancon, Mark Melancon, you know, mm-hmm. left and signed with uh, Arizona, as you pointed out. Uh, Craig, Craig Steeman, Stamen, their best, their second best reliever is a free agent as well. So, you know, they're, they're going to have to do some work in the pen, but they had like two under the radar signings from Japan, Joe, that, that should help them. Nick Martinez mm-hmm. came back and after four years in Japan and signed a four year, $20 million deal. And Roberto Suarez, who was also in Japan, signed uh, two years and eleven for eleven million, and uh, he'll be in the bullpen. Good. Uh, yeah. I, finally, we're going to look at the Rockies. Uh, this is a team that I don't think uh, a lot of people are expecting a lot out of. Uh, you know, prior to the uh, lockout, they signed Antonio Sensatella to a five-year deal, fifty million dollars. Uh, you know, he's a guy who can, can really help them in their rotation, but, you know, signing pitchers in, in Colorado isn't, uh, th- these guys don't necessarily uh, ask Brian Shaw what, you know, pitching in Colorado and signing there uh, does for your, uh, your, your stats. Uh, but they do have uh, a, a nice young rotation with Ramon Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Austin Gomber. So, uh, you know, uh, hope there but uh really it's uh Trevor's story is going to be you know is, is long gone so what's what's their outlook after the uh after the break there or after the uh, the lockout as far as what they can can do yeah they definitely they've got to find a shortstop if they're not bringing story back uh Brendan Rogers is what is their top prospect he came up but he was playing mostly second base last season and he's projected more as a second baseman. You know, are, do the Rockies have the money to, to, to sign a Correa? I, I don't think so. I mean, if, if they're not going to sign Story, uh, you know, uh, Andrelton Simmons is out there. Jose Iglesias is out there. Uh, you, maybe they could make a trade with the – maybe they're a, a match for the, uh, you know, the, the Guardians if they're looking for a young shortstop. You know Gabriel Arias, or you know some something along those lines. That that could uh, maybe be a, a deal in the works there. Yeah, but what would the return be on that? And would it be? Do they have anything that the Guardians, uh, you know, could operate with? And in terms of the outfield, are you, the uh, the corpse of Charlie Blackman is that something you even want to deal with? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah. So, all right, that wraps up the uh, the look at the NL West. That wraps up today's. Uh, edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We will be back uh, again tomorrow to talk about uh, today's negotiations on uh, the 
with the, the Players Association and uh, looking forward to the announcement of the Hall of Fame ballot uh, Tuesday night. Hoinsie, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe. 